0: I have a peculiarity among others. I like the poetry of Ogden Nash. So here's one of his poems I've always enjoyed. It's called The Hunter. The hunter crouches in his blind neath camouflage of every kind and conjures up a quacking noise to lend allure to his decoys. This grown-up man with pluck and luck is hoping to outwit a duck. So, um, so much for hunters. I don't know much about people in our church. They're... Uh, a desire to go hunting, I don't hear that much. But fishing, that is something else. Boy, this this men's fellowship we're having Saturday, I I think we're gonna have stories of, memories of fishing trips. And for years, there were annual uh, uh, fishermen's retreat, Lake Hume and various places, and a number of our men went and some of, some of them are here today. And I know you guys, all your, your macho stuff came out there when you struggled to outwit the fish. But one guy who was really good at this was Bob Lee. I've heard this story from several people that the guys would all try their best fishing equipment and lures and Bob somehow always, got the biggest and the most fish. I've heard that from enough people that I know it's true. And I just really respect that. So Bob he he spoke fish. <laughs> I mean, he had he had that intuition and it is something kind of special to have an intuition that you can't explain to anybody else. And I remember my grandson Sean and uh, Devin Hussein, his pal, went with the men when they were teenagers and he came home in awe of that, that Bob Lee always knew where to fish, when to put the lure down and he would always be there. We're in a sermon series we began two weeks ago called Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes of and we've looked at different New Testament characters, and today we're going to talk about seeing Jesus through the eyes of four fishermen. And these are the fishermen that he called to be among his first disciples. We'll read about it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Now, brought up on the King James Bible, that's fishers of men. And then, of course, we all who grew up in church had that kid song, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. Well, this this is now egalitarian. It's fishers of people. And uh, he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Well, those were the first four disciples we have a record of Jesus calling. And it's interesting that his first choice to be among his 12 associates in ministry were not CEO material. And they were not the guys who would handle the finances. They were not PR people who would give them the right kind of publicity. And they were not eloquent preachers. They were fishermen. Why? Why was he attracted to fishermen? Why were they attracted to him? Now fishing uh, at the Sea of Galilee was quite a complex um, experience. It could range from hook and line fishing. I've done some research on it. And people uh, went out there with poles and, and caught enough fish to feed their family, commercial fishermen might be able to have a a net if they were rich enough to afford a net, and it's a one-man net that they would throw out in an area where they saw some movement and are standing on the shore, and they'd bring it in. Now, people who were really serious about fishing uh, would would own a boat or be part of a crew uh, and went on a boat. And these guys would go out, Uh, often the fishing was done overnight. Uh, There was evidently um, some rationale to that in the behavior of the fish. And uh, it was done in certain coves and certain areas, and uh, the fishermen knew this. They knew it because they grew up, they were sons of fishermen, they were grandsons of fishermen. And so they knew their fish, and they were able to catch fish. Um, I watched a little bit of the the Chosen, that uh, film series about the life of Jesus, and the section about his calling the fishermen is really interesting. How they use some of the facts of Scripture and put this together into a realistic uh, uh, portrayal of that. Now, I've heard recently that you know there are two kinds of jobs in the world, um, and jobs where you shower at the beginning of the day, those are white-collar jobs, and and jobs where you shower at the end of the day, those are uh, blue-collar jobs. And fishermen were definitely people who showered at the end of the day, and maybe they didn't. They didn't always have the chance, maybe, and so uh, there was always a, Kind of distinctive smell about them. I, I believe in um, uh, when when I preach, I, I I speak, and we also use pictures from the media shelf. Um, if I could get other uh, of your senses involved, I was going to bring a can of sardines, and and open it and uh, kind of waft it over the con- congregation so you get the feeling uh, these guys were. Uh, probably odoriferous. And Jesus called four of them to be his first disciples. We've given out along with your bulletin today another sheet which lists uh, the four gospels accounts of Jesus' calling. I did this for a particular reason. First of all uh there aren't. There are, are some episodes in Jesus' life that occur only in that are only reported in one of the gospels, and some that are reported in two or three, but there are relatively few where all four gospels report the uh, the incident in Jesus' life. This is one of them. But I thought it would be interesting to take you on a journey just to see if you can follow my experience of this. I grew up, you know, I knew about the story of Jesus calling the four fishermen, and I heard it, it sounded simple to me, but when I started reading the Bible for myself, I found the account in one gospel very different from the account in the other gospel. And it caused questions in my mind, because I hadn't, no preachers that ever laid them side by side and showed me there were differences. But when I saw the differences, it really created a problem for my faith in the Bible. If what really happened among these fishermen. I'd like to take you through a a little journey with me and uh, to see if you can follow my experience as a young person in um, looking at the four gospels. First of all, let's look at that the first passage of Matthew, which we already read. Just review it, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, two names for Peter, and Andrew, his brother, the two of them, and they were casting their nets. Then he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then in verse 20, immediately they left the nets and followed him and then he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, his brother John. Now, if you notice in the four parallel columns, the Matthew version of this is almost exactly the same length as the Mark passage. When you look at it more closely, you'll find it's almost word for word the same. Look at the Mark passage. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, well, Matthew had, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, That's the same thing. And then uh, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and uh, Matthew has Simon Peter and Andrew his brother, and then they were casting a net into the sea that's exactly the same as it's described, apparently standing on the shore is the picture we get, Casting a in net into the sea, for they were fishermen. In verse seventeen, and he's that phrase, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people or fishers of men," that's exactly the same. And then in verse twenty of uh, Mark, the immediately he called them, they left their father. It's really interesting that both Peter and, and Andrew immediately left and followed him, and both James and John immediately, and both Matthew and Mark emphasize the word immediately both times. So virtually, it's almost word for word, it's somewhat reassuring, but it also feels like maybe they were looking, either one was reading the other, and we know that Mark was written quite a bit earlier, so maybe Matthew was simply accepting the testimony of Mark in this, and that's why it's so much the same. And, uh, or uh, maybe uh, they got it from the same person who was an eyewitness of all of this, because neither Mark nor Matthew was an eyewitness. So uh, what we find as we look at the Gospels is that Mark, from all the scholarship that's been done Mark looks like the earliest gospel. And there's evidence that both Matthew and Luke uh, knew Mark's gospel. There, there are words and phrases that are reflective. But Mark didn't tell the whole story. Mark started with the ministry of Jesus, didn't have anything about the birth of Jesus till that point. So Ma- both Matthew and Luke added the birth narrative and then other information that they got from other sources. And then John, he writes with a very different perspective. He had a different goal. And his, uh, uh, his writing of the Gospels, probably he knew all of the others before he wrote his Gospel. And uh, so when we get to Luke, now look at Luke on your piece of paper. Man, Luke is really really elaborate. It's uh, almost three times as long, well, two and a half times. But look at the Luke passage, beginning in uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesera, and the crowd was pressing in on him. Lake of Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Now, Matthew and Mark don't say anything about a crowd. It sounds like just Jesus by himself walking by. And then uh, he saw two boats there at the shore. Matthew and Mark say nothing about boats. And the fishermen had gotten out of them were washing their nets. And Matthew and Mark say they were casting their nets. And Luke says they were washing implying after they had been fishing by boat, they came on shore to wash their nets. And he got into the boats, verse 3, the one belonging to Simon, he got into the boat. None of that in Matthew, Luke. And then everything else that Luke says uh, is brand new. We haven't got that at all. In verse 5, Peter or Simon said, Master, we've worked all night long, but we've caught nothing. And yet, if you say so, I'll put down the nets. When he had done this, he caught many fish. Now, the, fish, the fishermen, with their intuition, they, they knew what side of the boat to fish from. And Jesus saying, no, go to the other side. And in their fisherman knowledge, they were saying, what does he know? You know, we're the ones who have the knowledge. We talk fish, okay? But he said, no, on this side. That wasn't a powerful lesson to them. So they went to do that. They had to call the other boat over in verse 7. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Something about Jesus that put Peter in his place. He said... Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astounded by the catch of fish, that Jesus was a better fisherman than they were. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now, some interesting things here. James and John and Peter, they're all mentioned by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Andrew is nowhere in Luke. Why? And um, and then uh, they, the uh, Zebedee's name keeps popping up. That's really interesting, because Zebedee, the father of James and John, owned a boat. That means he was probably one of the big, big fish on the, on the lake. He was probably one of the the most entrepreneurial fishermen there. With uh, we'll find out later that he also had hired people, as well as his own sons working with him. So, and, and then he, the equivalent of uh, catching, uh, fishing for people at the end in verses 10 and 11. Okay, that's Luke. Now look at John. Now John is on totally another planet. So John tells the story, and he mentions Peter and Andrew but he doesn't mention James or John at all. It tells, we find out at the end of the book that the John who's writing this book is that John. So he doesn't even mention himself and James, his brother. And we have found the Messiah is what he says. Andrew was following John the Baptist. So the way John, John tells the story, John the fisherman, is that John the Baptist One of his followers was Andrew and that, well, so there's a history beforehand according to John. And then when he gets down in verse 42, he brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Now this is all, it indicates a a knowledge of some later developments in the church that Peter's leadership emerged. Here's, here's, here's the way this affects me in my journey as a young believer discovering the Bible for myself. First, the differences between the four accounts uh, were bothersome to me because who's telling the truth? And what is, it, it finally occurred to me that none of the differences are critical to the story because they really tell the same story about Jesus' encounter with these four fishermen. But in the end, the differences in the story built up my faith in the Bible because I knew I was dealing with an account from Jesus' life that came from at least three different sources. And it wasn't just a story that Matthew made up or Luke made up, but there were other people who knew this story and told this story throughout the church. And then when it got written down, they told it from the best of their memory as they heard it. Got details a little different, but I'll tell you this was very powerful in making me believe that the Bible is authentic in God's word. If that doesn't mean anything to others, then you can throw out that part of the sermon. But I just wanted to share with you. Now, We're going to focus on the simplest version in Matthew and Mark. And uh, look at this, just stand back and think of what we know about um, Bob Lee, who spoke fish, these, these fishermen who spoke fish. What was it about them that attracted them to Jesus? And was it about Jesus that attracted them to him? What, 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 What was it between them that made them connect and that made him want them as his first disciples? Here's what I believe it is. They were real, authentic, honest to goodness, this is who I am, what you see is what you get kind of people. Fishermen didn't wear fancy clothes and pretend to be somebody because they had stripes on their arms. They didn't have titles on their names. Their title was how many fish they could catch. They were real people. And I think that's what attracted Jesus to them. He was looking for real people. And it's what attracted him, what made him attractive to them. Because when he came on, they sensed they were dealing with another real person, not a phony. Somebody somebody who was not going to just shuck and jive and try to impress you. And it was somebody who told the truth, who looked you in the eye. So this is what I see in the fisherman. And it's interesting when I thought about Bob Lee that he had that same ability with firemen as he had with fish. And that's why he rose to the top in his field. And we knew him in the church, too. And I think he had that with people. Do you know? Jesus said, you're good at fishing for fish, but you're going to be good at fishing for people, too. And, And he saw that in them. So... I think this is the kind of person Jesus chooses to build his church on. Not people with fancy titles, not people with great degrees, and certainly not people who could spin a good yarn, but people who know how to count fish, people who know how to deliver. That's the kind of person Jesus connects with and enables them to deliver. So listen, after Jesus died and rose again, he appeared to some of his disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And among those disciples were these four, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they looked at each other and they said, What are we gonna do? All the disciples did that. What do we do now? We, you know, we we have no guidance. Our director's gone. And then uh, Peter said, well, of course, we're gonna go fishing. That's what fishermen do. And he said, John 21, I'm going fishing. They said, we will go too if, if, if you got too many problems, go fishing because that you know you can do. And they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And Jesus, after daybreak, stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And then on the beach, the four disciples came together with the others And Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. This is verse 5, verse 6. They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, this is in John's Gospel, and toward the end of John's Gospel, there are two or three times when he refers to a disciple not by name, but as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And at the end, he identifies that with himself, the author of the book. This is the one writing this book, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't mean Jesus loved me especially. But it is is a miracle that he loved me. Who am I? I'm a smelly fisherman. And yet, Jesus loved me. Today, he's looking for partners to represent him to a new generation. Not people who can tell a good story and fake a good life, but people who are the real deal. If they're they're up, you know they're up. If they're down, you know they're down. But they're honest and open. How can Jesus love smelly old me? How could he love smelly old fishermen? He seemed to like the smell better than he liked the smell of hypocrisy. You may not be much, but you are who you say you are. You're Jesus' kind of person. He's got his eye on you. Thank you, Lord, for a reminder of the truth about this humble servitude that you invite. Why us, Lord? The people throughout history who have had big names and big reputations have not been the ones who have made the church permeate the world with your gospel. It's little people with little jobs and little roles who are real, authentic, and you use their smelly old self. So Lord, take us and use us. In Jesus' name.